Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. my god it's you yes remember us yes aaron and jordan from dumpster fire cinema Let's we get... used to do a show back mm-hmm. in 2017 we oh. did uh the fifth element we had some stuff about days to confused it, it was cool it was fun yeah 2018 is gonna be fucking amazing yeah it is it's, yeah it is it's true no more of our heroes are gonna f- be rapists in 2018 don't speak too soon my friend you just never know there's still a whole lot of creepy people out there in Hollywood. Yeah. One, for instance, Colin Farrell. Which no. brings me to tonight's movie du jour, In Bruges. He's not a creep. Just so everybody understands, he's not a creep. He hasn't been accused of anything. He hasn't been accused of anything, but he is still a creep. How is he a creep? He's just a creepy fuck. Did you ever hear that <laughs> that uh, leaked thing? Colin Farrell and Scott Stapp from Creed had a prostitute and they were giving her the Eiffel Tower and Colin Farrell like it was I don't know if there was video or not I heard the audio because I heard it on a podcast but what the fuck is an Eiffel Tower that's where you spit roast oh no young lady yes and so either the audio or the video got out and Colin Farrell was just saying some creepy shit he was obviously coked up and it, it was it was pretty funny. You know So that's why I think Colin Farrell's a creep because he's a creep. Here's the difference though. It was consensual. Oh yes. Consensual. She wasn't like some teenager or some girl who got coerced into it. No, she fully understood what she was getting herself you just, into. You just gotta hear what he was saying. I also wanna say that I am so much less concerned with Colin Farrell getting a prostitute and spit roasting her with another dude. <laughs> My concern is that he's hanging out with Scott Stapp. <laughs> Starting out 2018 in true dumpster fire fashion. I Oh, my God. I just, I, you know, what people do in their own private bedrooms is their own business. And I may or may not have tried to look up the Colin Farrell sex tape. Did you find uh, it? No. Like I said, it might just be audio, but. Let's talk about something less creepy so yes we're talking about in bruges um this came out in 2008 it was directed and written by martin mcdonough who if you have been following any kind of media or entertainment news he just won a golden globe for three billboards outside ebbing missouri and it just won best motion picture for a drama and then it won best screenplay and then best performance by an actress in a motion picture which is francis mcdormand and then best performance by an actor in a supporting role, and that was Sam Rockwell. So that was all last night. I've never even heard of this movie. Well, yeah, I've, I've been watching the previews for it, and it looks phenomenal. It's about, oh, well, Francis McDormand plays a character whose daughter gets murdered, and the police don't do anything to try and solve it, and so she puts up these billboards on a major highway, and like all of this craziness ensues with people in town and the local police. And I mean, Francis McDormand is freaking badass so i'm probably gonna end up watching it because it looks phenomenal but he also did seven psychopaths which also starred colin farrell and that was also fantastic um he also did a short film um called six shooter which i've never seen um i don't think i've seen that one either but it won a bafta really yeah so this was actually a big thing for him in bruges was nominated for best writing in an original screenplay in 2009 it did not win but it was nominated well, Colin Farrell uh, won a Golden Globe for this one, didn't he? He did. He did. Because he was so, so great. And I think both he and Brendan Gleeson were nominated for the same award. Yep. Yeah, they were. Yeah. So, because they were both 
phenomenal. I mean, just watching the movie again and just seeing how vastly different they play the characters. Um, obviously, we know Colin Farrell as kind of an action movie star. He did stuff like SWAT and um, what's Total Recall. Total. Oh my god, which Total I Recall? thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually pretty good. For a remake, it's one of the better ones out there. He did a Fright Night remake, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember he that was... with David Tennant. Oh, man, he was such a sexy vampire. Oh. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Think of the prostitute, Jordan. Don't get distracted. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that sounds bad, too. That sounds really bad. Anyway, so then um, Brendan Gleeson, who I know him from the Harry Potter movies as Mad-Eye Moody. Yes, yeah. Mad-Eye and he's... Moody. There were a bunch of people from Harry Potter movies in this five. film. There yeah. were five people. Yeah. Well, that... Colin Farrell, if you include Fantastic Beasts. Yes. But uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Clemens Posey, Posey mm-hmm. yeah. and then who was the other person? I'm trying to think. Ray Fiennes. Oh, yeah, of course. Voldemort. Oh, well, yeah. But yeah. there was another one, too, that played. Uh, he was the priest in this film. He's in Game of Thrones most more recently. Mance Raider. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So in Bruges is about these two hitmen that are told to lay low in Bruges, Belgium, by their boss because a hit went badly. Colin Farrell plays this brash kind of character, whereas uh, Brendan Gleeson's character, Ken, he's the dad assassin. Well, yeah, he got Colin Farrell's character, Ray, actually to be an assassin. The the mishap happened on Ray's very first hit. Right, yes. And so you're seeing the aftermath of, of what's happening. They arrive in Bruges, and immediately Ray is like, this is a shithole. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, you know, Ken is just like, hey, there's all this history and culture. And Ray is like, fuck your culture. (laughs) He does not care at all. He is not impressed. Uh, He's aloof. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy really doesn't care about anything. He's a wrecked man, just completely fucked out of his mind. You know, he just he just had this mishap. Uh, Well, spoiler alert, he shoots a kid. Yeah, because he the hit the original hit is he is going to kill the priest who we discussed was Kieran, whatever his name is. Man's Raider. Man's Raider. So he goes to kill the priest. He shoots him in the confessional. The priest gets up. He goes to like try to escape and Ray continues to shoot him. Well, Ray doesn't know that there is a little kid sitting in the in the chapel praying and he ends up shooting the kid. He comes to Bruges with Ken to lay low and he's just this emotional wreck. In the first 20 minutes that you see him, he's crying in the bathroom. Like he's just so torn up by this. Which, I mean, obviously you would be. You're, I don't know, if you're a hitman, you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to kill people who aren't very nice. But then innocents get in the way and that kind of fucks you up i mean i don't i don't blame him and also that was his first hit he may have never killed anyone before we don't know that yeah but you know i do have a little bit of issue with the way colin farrell well just with colin farrell's character in general because there's a lot of times when he's just so silly and then flips the switch to somber mode it it's kind of weird yeah and i get that grief manifests itself in a lot of different ways but to me it just kind of seemed like uh underwritten well, but I think I, I saw it more as being manic. Like he's maybe so the underlying emotion that he's feeling is complete and total wreckage where above that is just utter indifference to the rest of life. And I think that that's the conclusion that you have to come to when you watch the movie. That's the intent. But I just don't think they do the greatest job of portraying it. I don't know, though. I, I Watching this movie again and watching all of the characters, I just was so... I fell in love with them again. And the cool thing about the way that Martin McDonough writes his scripts is that the plot is very simple. It's not complicated at all. That's true. What complicates it is the characters. Yeah. Because you don't really know backstories for anybody. You don't know anything about Ray, Ken, Harry. You don't know anything about Chloe, the the Belgian girl who lives there. You don't know anything about anyone. But they're so well written that you just want to keep watching them. Yeah, and and they do manage to fill in all the blanks in their characters without making it seem like they're talking to the audience. Right. You know, they do a good job of that. And that's the thing with this movie is it's a really simple story. And it's just storytelling. You know, it's Mm -hmm. there's not a message to this or anything like that. It's just telling a story. The world that McDonough creates for us, you just get sucked in so fast. Yeah. Because 
I mean, right from the very start, like there's not a whole lot of exposition. There's not a lot of buildup. It's just first these really pretty scenes of Bruges and then these two assholes, these two Irish assholes getting off of a uh, of a train and one of them is aloof and one of them is just so happy to be there he can hardly stand himself. But you can also see the deterioration of Ray's character just throughout the scenes and to me it just gets funnier and funnier because he just has like zero tact. Like the whole like yeah. fatty Americans thing. So basically. Oh I love that part. <laughs> They're at the, there's a tower. There's a tower that tourists go up and Ken decides he's going to go up there. Ray is like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to sit on this bench and brood. And these very overweight American people decide that they're going to go up. And Ray is like, those are really narrow stairs. And the guy's like, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm just saying, you're not going to get up there. And so they just... So he gets the fat guy tries to run after Ray. Obviously, Ray is much fitter and he's just like running circles. I mean, he's like, leave it, fatty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then Ken comes out and he's like, hey, uh, you might not want to go up there. It's really narrow. (laughs) They're like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) But then we find out later in the movie that the guy had a heart attack. What? Yes. Towards the end of the movie, when Ken and Harry are going to go up there. The guy tells them that it's closed because an American had a heart attack. Oh, shit. And I, I remember that right before that guy properly gets his ass beat the fuck down by Voldemort. He gives him a hundred pound note. Who would sit there and go, no, you can't go in. I'd be like, all right, just don't make a mess. No, this guy just goes mental, starts poking Ralph Fiennes on the head. Ken just starts, he just starts walking to the tower while Ralph Fiennes beats him up. It is a great scene. It I is love a that. really great scene. Every scene with Ralph Fiennes in this movie is fantastic. Oh my God. He's just phenomenal. Although it's because of my love for Harry Potter, it's hard for me not to see him as Voldemort now. Yes. And so <laughs> when I see him talking like that and I see him like with a family and kids and then his name is... Cunt kids. <laughs> with his cunt kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then his name is Harry. I feel like this is like an alternate universe where like Voldemort and Harry Potter switched places. And I don't know, like it's just it, it just makes me giggle every single time they call him Harry. I'm like, mm. uh, yeah, no, yeah. no, that's not correct. His name is Voldemort, <laughs> Voldemort, Voldemort. Yeah, <clears throat> no, but he was really, really good. He's good at everything, though. You, you really oh, just yeah. can't fuck with him. Um, Unless it- you call him Ralph. And then I think you might be in trouble because you can't. That, his name is spelled like that, but I think I remember reading somewhere that he doesn't. It's not pronounced that way. Do people call him that? Because see, I always, I always get confused about that. So, so it's Ray. It's like Rafe. Uh, Rafe. I don't know. I I tried to look it up, and I motherfucker, find it. your name is Ralph. Quit being <laughs> pretentious, I man. Have his, do you want to hear his full born name, like given name at birth? Yeah. It is Ralph Nathaniel. Twistleton Wycombe Fines. If that's not the most British name you've ever heard, then I don't know what is. Twistleton, huh? <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. Yes. I have to make this statement about some of the lines that are written for Ray because they are just so horrible and yet so good at the same time. Because, Ken- okay, so we're talking about the tower. Ken asks if Ray wants to go up with them, and he's like, if I was if I was raised on a farm and I was retarded, retarded. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be more excited. But I wasn't, so I don't. Yeah. And then at one point he talks about the like opposite and he talks about like fat girl, fat black girl on a seesaw. Yeah, that's right. Opposite. And a dwarf on the other side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And he says it the way he says it is just so weird. He oh. like and you know, I do have another issue with the dialogue in this movie, and that is the insults. If this was a guy Ritchie movie the insults in this film would be so much better. Colin Farrell and, and Ray Fonz really try hard to do these like tough man shit talking routines, but the dialogue is just terrible. It, they're just really basically calling everybody gay. They say puffs. Every, you're a puff. You poof. know, a poof. poof. You know, they could do better. I don't know, though. Like, I, I have to disagree with you because the writing is my favorite part about this. It just flowed naturally. And it was kind of strange. But at the same time, like, you just you just, you get sucked into it. And, and it makes me jealous as a writer because dialogue is what moves the story forward. Because, yes, you can have a good plot and good characters. But if they have horrible dialogue, 
it flops. And I feel like he touches on something that a lot of other directors don't do. It's definitely my favorite part of it. I can see where you're coming from, though, but I just I think I might have to disagree with you on that. I just think that the insults were lame. They could have done way better. Just the insults. I don't I don't really know why I like this movie. It's kind of plain. It's just a straight through storytelling. Nothing too fancy, Uh, but it's charming. It's got a lot of charm to it. It is charming, and it's it's a dark humor for sure. Yeah. I mean, there are moments when it gets really super serious, and you're like, holy crap, like I'm super it gets depressed. Heavy. And then the next moment, like it's it's something humorous, and you're going, whoa, what did I just, like, what's happening? I don't know how to feel right now. But it, to me, it's just, I think it's one of, one of Colin Farrell's better performances, honestly. I mean, he's done a lot, a lot of stuff. I mean, he's yeah. been very active. Obviously, he's a huge star. He's done some really great roles. Like, one of his more recent ones was The Lobster. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen The Lobster. Okay, you should. It's weird, but it's really good. And he gains a lot of weight, and he's got a mustache, and he's so awkward. But he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. I've, I've always been a Colin Farrell fan. He's, yeah. he's good. Even with his weirdness and his questionable behavior. <laughs> yeah, he's a very strange guy. <laughs> But I would love to get drunk with him. Like, I just want to get oh, drunk no. and have a conversation no. with him. I would not want to get drunk with Colin Farrell. I know people like him. He would get you in trouble. <laughs> he would get you beat up. Okay. Okay. Good point. Good point. We had some really good supporting actors in this movie. Jordan Prentice, Jimmy the Midget, was oh, so yeah. good in this movie. I loved his character. Every word they wrote for him was awesome. And he was just a really good actor. Do you want to say the line or do you want me to say it? Go ahead. They're filming midgets. <laughs> Fuck off the filming midgets. Yes. Yeah. Like Okay. So there's a part where like the night that they're there, Colin Farrell is like itching to get out of the, uh, the, the hotel room that they're staying in. And they go downtown and they see that a film crew is filming something and they see Jordan Prentice's character, Jimmy. And Ray freaks out because he's a midget he's a little person and he just is like fascinated and then of course he sees chloe and he becomes smitten with her you know love at first sight and all of that garbage but um, jimmy keeps popping up he does here and there everybody kind of keeps popping up because this entire like movie takes place over like a quarter square mile block in uh, bruges and everybody like- seems to just hang out there all the time yeah. And so we see Jimmy a lot. They go back and party with Jimmy and, and a very attractive prostitute, according to uh, <laughs> Ken. And he goes on this crazy manifesto about a race war. They take a bunch of acid and ecstasy and cocaine that he stole from Chloe. Yeah. And uh, and it's just a really funny scene. And I just love how Ray, like, because he says that the black midgets and the white midgets are going to get into a war. And Ray keeps telling him that that's a great idea for a movie. He's like, no, no, that should be on film. That's great. And I just, it got me thinking, like, what is it about little people that just fascinates you so much? I mean, obviously, it's because they are little and there's that difference but they're they're human beings and obviously there's not a whole lot of other than the height thing but people like get so excited about midgets like i had a friend in high school who anytime that there was a movie that had midgets in it he was like oh we have to go see it it could have been the worst piece of shit ever and he wanted to watch it because it had midgets and i never understand like i don't get it the other funny thing is that ray kind of goes on this rant about midget suicide because like he wants to know if they get really upset about the fact that they're midget and they get called short arse all the time. Short arse. And yeah. he references a movie called Time Bandits, which yeah. looking it up, and he was thinking of the actor David Rappaport, who did commit suicide in 1990. Yeah, midget but, actor yeah, committed he, suicide. Yeah, so he that's kind of a common theme. Just he's very curious about, you know, do they, do they get upset that they're midgets? Another interesting fact, um, I wrote in my notes that there are so many expletives in this movie. I'm thinking of like the note that Harry left. Why aren't you in your fucking room when I fucking call? <laughs> 126 fucks to be exact. Yeah. An somebody average of 1.18 fucks per minute. Yeah. Somebody did the math on that. <laughs> did you see the deleted scenes? The stuff that didn't make the cut? Yeah. I read some of it, but I, I can't remember. A young version of Harry's character was going to be Matt Smith from Doctor Who. They actually filmed oh. the scene, but they didn't use it. 
he found a woman that was murdered in a nightclub and tracked down a crooked police chief that had killed her and he beheaded the guy. They cut the scene because the CGI beheading looked like shit. So they just cut the whole thing. Wasn't that Ken's wife, though? Like, that's how they're connected, because I think the woman was Ken's wife and he exacted justice for Ken. And that's why Ken is in his debt. That's why they're so close. That's why at the very end, remember, Ken is talking about how, you know, yeah, despite all the of guy the things. Yeah, that killed his wife. Yeah. That's, oh my God. I didn't put that together, but I bet you that's what it is. There, there's, there wasn't any data that's pointed in that direction, but I bet you're right. It makes sense, I though. I bet it was the guy that that killed uh, Ken's wife. Yeah. And just to, just to kind of make a note about that is like, again, I'm talking about the writing and I know we kind of differ on our opinions about that, but the writing is so smart because he leaves clues about the characters in sp- like places just here and there. And then it picks up at other points and you're like, oh yeah, that's how Harry and Ken are connected. I mean, that's just my theory. I could be completely wrong, but the movie doesn't point to any other, um, any other reason because he, why would he mention to Jimmy the midget that his wife was black and she was killed? And then at one point he mentions, cause Jimmy asks him, did you get the guy? And Ken was like, my Harry friend got it. him. Yeah. My friend got him. And so I think that's how they're connected. But the writing is so smart in that he just leaves little, little clues. The other kind of breadcrumb that McDonough kind of puts throughout the theme of the movie is heaven hell and purgatory oh yeah because they go they go to the this art museum and ray looks at a piece of art that he actually likes and he wants to know what it's about and ken tells him it's purgatory and he basically is like so you weren't good enough to go to heaven but you weren't bad enough to go to hell and so here you are in purgatory and it's just it's it's just a very interesting theme because it's not like overwhelming it's not overwhelmingly yeah. religious it's not over it's just well and i guess they're trying to allude that bruges is their purgatory and that their judgment is oh is coming yeah yeah definitely yeah. because i was i was reading about it and somebody kind of alluded to the fact about how bruges was hell to ray but it was heaven to ken oh. and so you know when maybe it's just kind of a foreshadowing of it totally was foreshadowing for sure absolutely yeah for sure especially at the end when he walks onto the movie set and he sees all the people in those masks and the people dressed as peasants and it's just kind of a it's kind of a neat way that mcdonough ends it i love the relationship between ken and ray because ray is just the pouting teenager ken is the dad assassin and you know, Ken is just constantly cleaning up Ray's mess, but it just shows how much he cares for Ray. Even if Ray is annoying as hell, like he's just constantly complaining, we're stuck in Bruges, we're stuck in Bruges, rah. and Ken is just rolling his eyes like going, okay, whatever. But he cares about Ray so much that he's willing to save his life up until the last fucking breath. And that's just... It's beautifully written. And and that's another thing that he's really good at writing is relationships. Even if they're like strange and at first glance, you're like, oh, that's never going to. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, man, it's perfect. It's just perfect, in my opinion. I would like to have a little bit more backstory on the relationship between Ray and Ken. Because Ken really does. I mean, like you say, he goes to the to the end to save Ray. Yeah. And you know why i mean he got him into the contract killing game which isn't something that i would probably do for somebody i care about get him in that life yeah i don't think i would either it's it's kind of i mean i think maybe it's kind of one of those things where maybe ray was just really desperate for money and ken was like well i have a job that you could do and it or maybe ray was in debt with harry or something like that. And I, like it's 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 doesn't tell you how or why. But I agree with you. I would love to have more background story on to how they, those two got hooked up. It does leave a lot of questions. The other thing that always that cracks me up is that despite the fact that they're hitmen, they have ethics and morals. Oh, yeah. Especially Harry. Yes. Yeah. He has this whole thing about how if I shot a kid, I would turn the gun on myself right then and there. No question. Man's got to have principles. Yeah. 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 At one point, they're discussing deadly weapons, what constitutes as a deadly weapon, and what's self-defense versus just 
full out killing a person. Ken tells the story about how somebody came after him with a bottle and he killed the guy. And Ray was just like, well, he had a bottle in his it's hand. a deadly weapon. He, he was self-defense. Of course you had to shoot him. Like, and, and that leads into the whole Chinese lollipop man. Chinese lollipop <laughs> man doing karate. Yeah. 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 Which was just ridiculous. Well, then we move into um, probably the worst date ever. Oh God, yeah. So they're playing this game where they where they tell each other the truth and then pretend they're lying. Let me tell you, I've had some really bad dates in the past. I mean, really bad dates, but nothing <laughs> compares to that. It like, was the worst. She basically is like, "So what do you do?" And he said, "I shoot people for money." And he says, "What do you do?" And she says, "I sell drugs to the cast and crew." And they're like, "All right then." And they just kind of move along in their relationship with total, complete honesty. I don't know. I think that the, each of them thought that the other one was joking. And then they do it again where she says one of the girls that was killed, you know, because he's talking about the, the killer that, that lives in Belgium. And she says one of those girls that was killed was my friend. And then she said she was joking. But you know what? I think she wasn't. Well, to set it up, Ray talks about how like he's basically insulting Belgium. Where, yeah, which just is, talking shit because she's like, from a, Belgium. She's from Bruges. Right. And so he's like, um, what's Belgium known for? And she says chocolate. And he says, yeah, they only made the chocolate to lure in to the, lure kids. the kids. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, one of my friends was actually one of the girls that got killed. And Ray just is like, damn it, Ray. Like you could see it on his face that he just totally messed up. And then she's like, I was just kidding. And he's, they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And kind of an awkward. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> she gets up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Here's another little side thing. Because I watch so many shows like Criminal Minds and CSI and just all of these true crime shows. I pretty much remember every person who played a serial killer or pl <laughs> played a bad guy. Yeah. And the guy who played the Canadian played a guy who like abused and killed his wife in CSI. And so now that's all I see. Every time I see that guy, I'm like, ooh, you were a bad guy in CSI. Mm. You know who he looks like to me is the guy that played Doug Stamper on House of Cards. I thought it was him for at first glance, which is a real scumbag character too. The guy is just like fucking unbelievable. And Ray, he tries so hard not to say anything. He just, he, you could see him struggling, and then he goes, what's fucking unbelievable? <laughs> yeah. And the guy goes, your girlfriend's blowing smoke in me and my girlfriend's face, and it's just disgusting, and blah, blah, blah. Well, then Ray punches him in the face. And then his wife tries to attack him with a bottle, and, <laughs> uh, and he drops her in one punch. And it was a very, <laughs> very satisfying hit. It was. Lights out, man. See, so and that's funny. one thing with the violence in this movie is that it's kind of few and far between, but yeah. it is graphic. The scene with the little boy was really gross. Yeah. And the, when uh, when when poor Ken falls from the tower, he Which just we'll kind to. of explodes in a geyser of blood that just flies out in every direction. Very... It's, it's actually kind of beautiful. And every time Colin Farrell punches somebody, it just cracks. I know. Just just rings completely. I know. And and so, you know, they run out of the restaurant and Chloe's like, did you hit her? And he's like, yeah, but she was going to attack me with a bottle. It was self-defense. <laughs> and then he just immediately disarms her by telling her how pretty she is. Because she looks very like worried and scared and then he's like oh you're so pretty and then she's like oh <laughs> she just runs in for a kiss and that's well, that well but to be honest i probably would have done the same thing <laughs> if i even if i saw colin farrell beat the shit out of somebody if he was like oh you're so pretty i'd be like <laughs> stop it so then we go back to ken he's in the hotel room and harry calls you know we're waiting for the infamous harry to call after we get that expletive note that we haven't seen harry yet no we haven't all we've heard is his voice it, reading the note and he's very cockney and it's very vulgar which <laughs> yeah. the owner of the hotel writes Wrote a, a note, footnote she's like i'm just the owner of the hotel please don't let that happen again like it yeah. she just she calls the she calls him like a cock 
Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so Harry calls. And she him. was great too in this movie. Marie was a badass. She was so good. But oh, she we'll was get a badass. To her. Anyway, so we'll get to her. So uh, Harry calls and he basically tells Ken, "You have to off the kid, which you yeah. have to kill Ray." Which Ken knew that there was going to be a job. He didn't know who it was. He just knew there was going to be a job. And then Harry tells him, "You don't just kill a kid and get away with it." Yep. Which brings us back to the whole these assassins have morals and everything like that. So the far, the part that made me laugh so much is that they're talking about how magical Bruges is. Like with the swans and the canals and the history. The, and the fog. The, they have this the, fog. The fog. <laughs> and it's like a fog you don't see anywhere else. <laughs> it's a fantasy world. You know, we haven't talked about this yet, but we totally should. This movie's beautiful. Yes. The shots of Bruges oh, are amazing. It's wanna... all filmed in this really wide aspect and yeah. kind of a really tight vertical crop. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so pretty. All of the shots, every yes. single shot. This is another every frame of painting movie, just mm-hmm. like The Fifth Element we talked about. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And another thing about this movie is that there weren't a lot of special effects. There was the blood, yeah. uh, makeup, and stuff like that. This is the kind of movie that anybody could make. The shots don't call for a whole lot. They just had, they went to Bruges. Yeah. They shot fucking Bruges. And come to find out Bruges is beautiful and it makes for uh, an amazing, you know, set. But, I mean, this this is all very simple filmmaking. Anyone could do. The, the part that makes me laugh is that Harry's idea of bringing them to Belgium was so that Ray could have one last happy memory before he gets whacked by Ken. And then Ken tells him that, well, I don't really think it's Ray's cup of tea. And Harry's like... What you mean it's not his cup of tea? What fucking Belgium is it his cup of tea? Like he just gets so <laughs> offended that the yeah. place he Oh, he's bad. Uh <laughs> Ken has to start backpedaling. He's like, Oh well no, he, he thought it was it was shit at first, but then when I took him down to the museums and shit, he yeah. thought it was just great. He says a line, he says he, he says, Ray looked at me and he said, I know I'm awake, but it feels like, like I'm, I'm in dreaming. a dreaming. <laughs> Yeah, he lies he just, so and, and he low. has this look on his face when he when he says that, and he yeah. looks so satisfied with himself for coming up with that because line. Because Harry believes it. He's like, he said that, did he? Yeah, you know, like he's just <laughs> like, and so he just gets offended that the place that he chooses for Ray's death, he, Ray doesn't like. Like, how dare he? Well, I mean, that's you know, he is trying to give this guy a last uh, good time. And and that's another thing about all these people is they're all such gentlemen when they're killing each other. They are. They really are. This is a low budget film, fifteen million. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and its box office take was only thirty five. Oh. But that's not bad. I mean, it's. A I mean, success. that's more. Yeah. But uh, but you would think a movie that's as well known as In Bruges would have would have done better. It, well, I don't have any data about uh, overseas and, and DVD and stuff. I would bet, though, that most of that budget went to the actors, went to the set, probably. Any kind of set in actual yeah. Belgium. Well, you know, Colin Farrell probably got paid incredibly well for this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm I, I mean, he's sure. probably most of the budget. He was really hot when this movie was made. I mean, oh, yeah. Colin Farrell was on top of the world. And if not, he did this film as a favor to somebody. Well, yeah, probably to Martin McDonough. Probably so. So because he's gone to do other, gone on to do other films with him, so that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. and this was a little film. Yeah. I, I wonder if these people just did this on vacation. Well, no, they didn't because it took them twelve weeks to shoot, and uh, which in movie language is not very long at all. No, but uh, they did have the city of Bruges keep their Christmas decorations up yeah. until uh, what April. So that they could finish shooting it, which I thought was kind of cool. The whole city just agreed, we're going to keep our Christmas shit up so you can finish your movie. Which Eternal is, Christmas in Bruges, Belgium. Uh, I bet that must have been weird living in Bruges while that was going on. Okay, so then uh, Ken gets the news that he's supposed to kill Ray. Then we go back to Ray and he's in this middle of a makeout session with Chloe and things are getting kind of steamy. And then there is a gun to the back of Ray's head. Eric. Eric. Which, yeah. such a fuck boy. <laughs> God, yeah, Eric he is ruins an idiot. Everything. Yeah, he really does. All the time. Fuck a bunch of Eric. Ugh. 
Eric he, really is our is our our Jar Jar Banks of this movie, isn't he? <laughs> uh, what did Ray call him? Uh, a skinhead poof. Yeah, he called him a skinhead poof. And he was like, the, it made me laugh because he's sitting there talking about the ethics of a skinhead. Like, you know, used to you would only like mess with little Pakistani kids. And now you're just messing with tourists in Belgium, you little skinhead poof. What's like, with everybody talking shit on the Pakistani in this movie? Know. I think it's a I think it's a UK thing. Maybe so. I don't, I don't know. know. Or maybe it's know, an Irish thing. Ray and Ken were supposed to be Englishmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they got Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, yeah. they just let him use their accents. Okay. So, um, sorry. Eric comes into the picture and we find out that Chloe and her friend, guy friend, Eric, have a tendency to rob tourists. As in, she seduces them back to her house. And then Eric comes in and robs them. With a uh, gun loaded with blanks. Yeah. Yeah, but you which is really fucking stupid. But you wouldn't know that because well, if if you get caught with your trousers down and some guy is like, "Give me all your money," you're not gonna sit there and think, "Oh, that gun is full of blanks." This boy wasn't counting on old Ray though. No, because because Ray he just took his gun and shot him in the eyeball with it. He knew it was loaded with blanks. Honestly, that's yeah. kind of brilliant. One of the fun little facts that I found is that um, blank bullets can actually be quite deadly. Yes. In 1984, while on the set of the short-lived series cover-up, actor John Eric Hexum unintentionally killed himself when he playfully fired a gun loaded with blanks into the side of his head. The force of the blast blew a plug of bone into his brain, killing him. Yeah, and isn't that the same thing that happened with Brandon Lee? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Aww, Very sad. Don't fuck around sad. with prop guns, kids. So Colin Farrell actually does that in another movie called Tigerland. Uh, he fires a blank into the man's eye, but it doesn't blind him. So so this is an old trick for yeah, Colin Farrell. This it is, is kind of his thing. Except this was a little bit more like... Reason number 512 not to go drinking with Colin Farrell. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, and it's so funny because the guy's like, oh, we have to go to the hospital. I can't see. And, and Ray's just sitting on the bed being like, I haven't gotten laid in months, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't give a shit about the guy's eye. He's just like, worst date ever. Yeah. So then Chloe runs off with Eric to the hospital, and he, like, starts looking around all of her stuff, which is what leads him to finding her cocaine and ecstasy. Which he just stole. And her bullets, for some reason. He steals the bullets, too. So, I don't know. I It's, it's very strange. Um... So then he goes back to the bar where Ken is. Now Ken is getting all kinds of drunk because he's going to have to kill his friend and he doesn't want to. And so that's when they meet up with Jimmy and the prostitutes and they go back to his place. And at one point, yeah, Jimmy starts talking about the race war between the whites and the blacks and the white midgets and the black midgets. And Ken puts an end to the conversation because he says, my wife was black and she was killed by a white man. So where would that put me on the spectrum? And Jimmy's like, oh, shit. Like, Jimmy actually got out of that conversation in the best way you possibly could. He said, you're just going to have to wait till it happens and figure it out. You'll know the way to go when, it, when you're in the thick of it. But that that's what sets Ken off to be like, all right, kiddos, it's time yeah. for me to go. So he gets up He's to gone. leave. And Ray decides to go with him, but not before karate chopping Jimmy in the fucking face. He just, he just karate chopped him right in the face. Just, and then he called him a short arse and runs off. Which, I mean, <laughs> you can't not laugh when that happens. It's like, I just, it happens so fast. like So yeah. out of nowhere. And does he chop him in the neck or is it the face? He just gives him a good fucking karate chop, man. <laughs> And, and it's completely unprovoked. I mean, Jimmy's <laughs> Jimmy's walking up to him to say something. He just yeah. gives it to him. And he's like, you don't even know karate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I just, I just love the fact that he's like, short arse, and he runs after Ken. And it's just like, <laughs> what did I just watch? Of course, they're all like high on cocaine and, and ecstasy. And ecstasy and, and acid. Yeah. So there's no telling why he felt the need to karate chop Jimmy. <laughs> but it was well placed for some reason for me the colin farrell and jimmy scenes are just so awesome they are awesome. i just really like jimmy who is that guy his his name is uh jordan prentice i know i've seen him in other things but i might not have sometimes those guys tend to look alike 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I knew you were going to say I'm, that. I'm sorry to say that. And you can't even say that's racist. Like, what would you say? Heightist? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Staturist? <laughs> uh, elevationist? <laughs> <laughs> that's even better that's even better i like that but it, i yeah. mean i really love that guy i, I want to see him in everything yeah he's really good so anyway they go back to the hotel room and at one point ken gets up early the next morning to go get a gun from yuri who is obsessed with alcoves or nooks and crannies as ken liked to tell him yeah which I didn't quite understand. I think that was a little bit lost on uh, Americans, maybe. 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 But that guy, Eric Gadon, I've seen him in a lot of shit. So then Ray wakes up and he goes to the park. Ken goes to find him. And as Ken is walking up to shoot Ray in the head, Ray pulls out a gun and puts it to his own head. This is where I feel like the relationship really blossoms for Ken and Ray. Because Ken can kill Ray, but Ray can't kill Ray. Like, he can't, he won't let him commit suicide, but he was about to shoot him. Which then Ray sees the gun behind Ken's back and he's like, oh man, you were going to kill me. And then Ken's like, but you were going to kill yourself. Like, he justifies the whole thing. It's just funny to me. You know, when I first saw it, when I first watched this movie, I thought that the reason why he did that was because he was worried for uh ray's soul if you're a catholic and you kill yourself but they have that whole conversation in front of the uh painting he basically says he doesn't believe in any of that shit so i don't know it's kind of kind of weird well and but but i think it's more along the lines of ken didn't really want to kill ray anyway he says he was about to go kill ray well yeah but i think something snapped in him when he saw ray put the gun to his head that he was like Oh, no, I can't kill my friend. Like, Yeah, that's and, definitely what happened. But Because in Ken's mind, it was all an accident. Like, obviously, Ray did not mean to kill the little boy. And it's just, I don't know. I think he sees Ray as somebody, he's not a bad guy. He's just made poor choices. And in Ken's mind, he doesn't feel like that's a bad enough offense that he has the right to kill him. Well, the guy made one mistake. Well, yeah, especially because... Ken, I mean, he says it too. He's killed lots of people. He's been a hitman for a while now, it yeah. seems like. Yeah. I, I think he's been in Harry's debt for a while. And so it's just one of those things where you really see how much Ken cares about Ray based on the fact that he stopped him from killing himself when he was going to kill him anyway. So then Ken puts Ray on a train and says, You can't go home, but you can go anywhere you want to. Um, and then he calls Harry and he says, do what you have to do, but I let Ray go. And you got cunt kids. You got cunt <laughs> So then we finally see Harry. Yes. He is a normal suburban dude having Christmas with his family and he destroys that phone. Yeah. And so then his wife comes in and says, Harry, it's an inanimate object. You're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, what the fuck? Like, she's just like, okay, obviously this is normal everyday life for them. <laughs> is Harry getting mad and, and destroying their property? And he very calmly explains that he's got to go to Belgium for a matter of honor. Which. And she, she's just like, oh, oh. Well, she has to know that he's gonna a You're going to be careful? Man. Yeah, she knows. She's in on it. You know, and just the little bit we saw of those two, they seem to have, they seem to know everything about each other. They're like partners. Well, they, they seem real close. That's what I'm saying about the characters is that you don't have to know a ton about them to be connected with them. Yeah. Because at first you're like, oh man, Harry's such an asshole. I can't, but, but then you see that he's got a wife and a family and he cares about his kids yep. and he cares about his wife because he apologizes for calling her yeah, an inanimate right. fucking object. And she seems to be understanding kind of like me yeah. and my wife would be, you know, <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. Did Harry get to Belgium in the same day? It seemed like it. I looked it up and from London to Bruges by car, it's like four hours. He flew. He flew. He had to have flown. Okay, because by train it's eight. I couldn't. I couldn't see him not flying. You know, he's kind of like you know putting on his cufflinks and shit. You yeah, know, I could see plane. that too. I didn't look up how much it, how long it would be as as a flight. It probably wouldn't I bet be. It's very like long. a half hour flight. Probably. 
Yeah. Probably. But I was I was just sitting there going, how did he get there within the same day? Like it, it makes sense. It's fine. Yeah. It did seem a little quick though, the way they edited it. Yeah. It seemed like he was there the next minute. There were a lot of deleted scenes for this film. That's Several. true. You know, I mean, I'm sure every film's got deleted scenes. You know, I'd have liked to have seen it. Yeah. I'd have liked to have seen his backstory with Matt Smith. You yeah, know? that would have been that cool. That would have been so cool. And, Very, and the, uh, the flight to Bruges. So then Harry gets to Bruges and he is on a mission. He is going to find Ray and he is going to off him himself. But not before paying a visit to Ken. Ken knows Harry is coming to kill him also because Ken disobeyed a direct order from Harry. Right. Um. So He's just hanging out waiting for him. Yes. And so, oh, uh, I almost forgot the part where Ray gets arrested on the train because yeah, the Canadians okay. are there. Okay, this is where it gets a little stupid. <laughs> the fucking Canadian guy was on the train? Come on. This movie was made to intentionally look like a very small world. You know, like a microcosm. Yeah. But that's a stretch. Well, I, I would agree with you there, actually. Because yeah. the very first time I watched this movie, I was like, oh, Ray is home free. He's going to get away. He's going to find a different life somewhere else and fuck it up somewhere else. But he's getting away. But then the train security says, you hit the Canadian. He's like, you heat the Canadian? I don't know. <laughs> he's what. making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but then you find out the guy you pu- he punched in the restaurant was in fact not an American, but a Canadian. He gets arrested. They take him back to Bruges. Chloe busts him out of prison. Not but like. She bails him out. She bails him out. And so the coming up to the climax of this movie, there's just a varying degrees of interestingness because you've got Chloe and Ray who look like they're on this beautiful date out in the city. They're kissing and hugging and they're just being so loving. And then you've got Ken and Harry who are on a very ominous journey because Ken knows Harry's there to kill him. They decide to go up to the bell tower to for Ken to kill him or not ken but harry to kill him they walk right past ray and uh and chloe making out yeah and they never see him never see him and then they go up to the top of the tower and this is after harry has beat the shit out of the tower guard who won't let them in and they have this conversation about how ken is not going to fight harry he just wants him to shoot him because he fully believes in protecting ray completely like he's not going to tell him where he is he just wants to be shot and he wants it to be over with and And he also feels completely indebted to harry too he's between this force that he respects and this force that he has to protect yeah so i mean he's just fucked he loves harry he does and you can see that i mean that's that's just the brilliance of the acting in this is because you can tell even though again you don't have a lot of backstory on either character you can see that both Ken and Harry have known each other for a long time. They respect each other. They might even love each other yeah. to the to, on a brotherly level, you know. And so after Ken tells him, I am indebted to you and I love you and I respect you, I am not going to kill Ray. And I'm not yeah. going to tell you where he is. So then Ken is like, uh, I mean, Harry is like, well, I can't fucking shoot you after that. <laughs> yeah. And it's about to get relaxed and you're like, oh, okay. And then he shoots Ken shoots in the leg. Shoots in the leg. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm sitting here watching this and I'm like, that's that's fair. Yeah. So then stupid skinhead Eric. Fucking Eric, man. God, classic Eric. You see him in the city and you see him see Chloe and Ray. And they kind of wave to him like, what do you want? You one eyed skinhead poof. He walked past Jimmy, too. Oh, yeah. And his schoolboy clothes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> so they, they're laughing at him in the costume and he's like, I can't take you seriously <laughs> when you're laughing in my face. And then Ray apologizes for karate chopping. <laughs> and, but right. Jimmy's like, it's okay. I deserved it type of thing. <laughs> he's like, it was the cocaine. He's, yeah. he's ribbing him about the race war. <laughs> and, and Jimmy's just like, it was the cocaine. Okay. Leave me alone. So side note, okay, so he says, every time that he is introduced to a new character, Jimmy says, I'm American, don't hold it against yeah, me. Yeah, he does, every single time. And then we see the Americans, the other Americans, the fat ones, the fat Americans. Yeah. It's just so funny how McDonough portrays Americans as these fat, weird, kind of grungy people. 
and yet I'm not offended at whatsoever. I think it's hilarious, actually. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that, that they distinguish that and Jimmy, who's not a tourist. Yeah. You know, Jimmy's, he understands Europe, I guess. Yeah. Don't it, hold, I'm American. Don't hold it against yeah. me. I need to, I, that just needs to be on a, a calling card anytime that I go travel. I'm American. Don't hold it against me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you also got to consider what was going on when this movie came out. What was going on? Well, it was the Bush years. Oh, you yeah. are right. Yeah. We weren't really well liked around the world. That's true. Anyway, so Eric sees Rain Chloe, and then he runs up to the tower. And we know he's going to go tattle on Ray because he's a skinhead poof. Right. And they don't know that Harry and Ken are up in the tower. Uh, Chloe and Ray don't know that they're up there. No. He just, they see him Eric run knows. off. Yeah. Eric knows. And they're like, okay, he's running away like a poof, whatever. Um, so then he goes up and he tells, he yells to Ken and he says, I found Ray, which then immediately starts the struggle between Ken and Harry with the gun. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of. It's weird. It's so, so it Harry weird. shoots Ken in the neck Uh huh. and it looks really bad, but apparently it's not. Because he's able to climb up the stairs and get back to the tower in the same time with a with a shot leg, yeah, and a bleeding neck wound, and yeah, much quicker than Harry can get down the stairs and out the door to catch Ray. I don't think they were very far down because I think Eric was near the bottom and he shouted up to Ken. They must have been close to the top. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then we get to this. The saddest part of this whole movie, Ken goes up to the top of the tower and he drops some coins out there so that people know to get the fuck out of the way. And then he jumps and goes fucking splat. (sighs) Fucking Kool-Aid and ketchup. (laughs) It's very Tarantino-esque. Yeah. The way he explodes on the ground. Very sudden. Just real quick. Boom. And sharp. Very impactful. In my head, I'm going like... Why did he jump? Like, why didn't he just shout down? But I think he knew he was dying, first of all, because I think it might have hit an artery in his neck. So I think he knew that he was dying or going to die very soon. He knew that there was no way he was going to get down the stairs. Yes. And he had to warn Ray that Harry was there and that he needed to run. So he jumps off the building. And I wrote in my notes, it's a beautiful Christmassy scene. And then that. Right. And he is going to save Ray with his last breath because he falls to the ground. Everybody's screaming and running around and Ray runs over there and sees that it's Ken. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he goes down to see Ken and we see that his arms like torn off. off. Oh, it's gross. Oh, it's so terrible. And so he gets down close to Ken and with his last breath, he says, Harry's here. Take my gun. Yeah. Which is all busted up now. Yeah. You know, which he tried to do it with good intention and it didn't work out. Um, was he said, putting the gun he in said I think I'm going to die now, which was so oh, heartbreaking. It was. It and, was just like, oh, no. And Ray is crying and you're just like, why can why do you have to be so good? I know, right? <sighs> yeah, that was that was tough. So was then. Tough um, so then Harry comes down the stairs finally and he sees that Ken jumped. And the look on Ray Fine's face is just the level of acting is just beyond good because yes. he's on this mission and he's going to kill Ray if it's the last thing he does. But he sees his good friend in pieces on the ground and the look on his face is phenomenal. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to run over or cry. It's just like a realization of what his friend just did. And it's terrifying and so sad to him. So then he spots Ray. Ray takes off running, obviously. And uh, Harry follows after him, shooting him and causing everyone to scream and scatter. Um, the part that cracked me up, though, is that how they were, like, out of breath. Like, these these fierce dudes with guns are just like... <sighs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Ray outran the shit he totally out did. of Harry. I mean, he he. there was no way Harry was catching him. Yeah. And then they... Um, uh, Ray goes back to the hotel because he remembers that uh, that Ken took his gun and 
Um, Harry meets him there and he's trying to get past. And Marie's like, no, I'm not leaving. And she's pregnant, by the way. So based on his moral ethical code, he is not going to harm that woman. And and this is where uh, he breaks the fourth wall. Marie says, uh, you guys better just give up now. And Harry says, he says, this is the shootout. Yeah. And it's just kind of weird. It's like, what a what a weird thing to say. But I just, I love that they take the time in this scene to bring a little bit of humor because it's obviously very intense. You know, yeah. like Harry is caught up to Ray. Ray is in hiding. Marie's not letting Harry pass. And they're basically, and Ray's like, okay, I'm going to run out and jump in the canal and you're going to go around the corner and catch me. And if you get me, then, you know, there you go. Yeah. And they're basically and like, okay. And it's so gentlemanly. Yeah. It's they negotiate this. On three, one, <laughs> two. Wait, who's counting? I thought you were counting. Like, they just, yeah. it's just this ridiculous scene. Yep. And like, they're like, I completely promise. Like, the only thing they're missing is a pinky promise and a funky dance. Yeah. To seal the deal. Okay, so they, one, two, three. And Ray runs up and he jumps into the canal and he manages to jump on a boat. Harry runs around the corner and you think that Ray is going to get away. And you're like, oh, whew. you forget that Harry is a hitman. Yeah. Like he's been probably killing people for most of his life. He's a hitman. That's what he does. He can calculate the distance that his gun can, yeah. his bullet can go. Right. So he he's knows. A good shot. Yeah. So obviously, Colin Farrell gets shot and. Gets hit bad, right in the gut. Yeah. Really nasty. Yeah, it's pretty bad. The boat comes to a stop and he stumbles off and he's trying to find help and he stumbles onto the movie movie set. set. He sees all these people in weird masks and the whole premise of the movie that they're shooting in Belgium is that it's like this really weird dream sequence, which is why they have Jimmy. Yeah. Um, So he's stumbling around losing blood. And it's and everybody he knows in Bruges is all in the same place. Yes. You know, all these people he's met in the whole movie. It's kind of Wizard of Oz, isn't it? Very, very yeah. much so. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's seeing all the symbols from the painting, which, again, goes to the symbolism of being in hell for for Ray. Um, and then Harry catches up to him and he shoots him several times probably more than necessary shoots him like four four more times just pumps him full of lead yeah and ray falls to the ground and harry comes over and he sees that he's also shot poor jimmy because jimmy is in the schoolboy uniform harry thinks it's a child and in complete serendipity ironic like agonizing irony yeah Ray's laying on the ground and he's bleeding and he's dying. And Harry's like, oh, well, man's got to have principles. And Ray is trying to stop him. He's like, no, 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 it's not a kid. And then within a second, Harry just puts the gun in his mouth and shoots it. And I wrote in my my notes, holy shit, holy shit, holy <laughs> shit. I forgot yeah. Harry killed himself. Yep. It's just like so visceral. Like it's just. Just real quick, yeah. like when Ken died. We see Ray getting put into an ambulance, and he's like, I would rather go to prison or to die rather than be stuck in fucking Bruges. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of funny. It kind of leaves the audience up to decide if Ray dies, because it ends there with him going into the ambulance and saying, I really don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't think it really leaves it up to the audience to decide. I, I think he think lived. It, well... In the deleted scene, it shows that Ray did live and that the boy that he shot's name was Tobias. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know that. But they cut that out. And so I feel like... I I don't think they needed it. No, I don't think so either. And I think for the most part, yes, you kind of get the feeling that Ray is going to live. But there's kind of a little bit of doubt there because he got shot like six times. There is a little bit of doubt there, but they show him alive and that's how they end the movie. He's alive. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. That's uh, that's in Bruges. That's in Bruges. A fantastic movie. Beautiful. It is beautiful. Just gorgeous movie. One of the things that we didn't talk about was the music. I wrote in my notes that I loved the music. It was just, it almost didn't fit with the theme of the movie. Because it's very pretty. It's very Hayao Miyazaki film type pretty. Like, just flowy Serene. and pretty and yeah like that's that's kind of the feel you get from it yeah almost whimsical 
And then when you put it to the story, it doesn't really fit at all. But at the same time, it works. It works yeah, for I think it worked. this magical fantasy fog-filled place that they're in of Bruges. And yet there's all this blood and death and carnage. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the score worked perfectly. I, yeah. I didn't really have any problems with it at all. And usually score, if it's done bad, will stick out to me. I don't remember hearing anything that didn't sound right. I, and I don't, it's not that I don't think something sounded right. I just thought that it was just, again, it was just so mystical and so pretty that I just didn't feel like, I, I don't know what I, what I would have put there instead. I mean, I'm not a composer, so I can't say, oh, I definitely would have put rock music there for sure. There was some rock music in this film. Right at the end, that final scene, they had some guitars and shit going. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember in the scene when Chloe and uh, Ray were making out, they were playing Regina Spector. And I thought, oh. Ah, I knew I recognized her voice. Yeah. I love Regina Spector. She's great. In my mind, it's so funny the things that pop into my mind whenever I watch a movie. But the first thing that popped in my mind was, I really wouldn't listen to Regina Spector if I was making out with Colin Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> no? No, probably not. I, I, you know, I probably wouldn't play anything at all. I just want to savor this moment. I mean, hello. Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell does it for you, huh? So yeah. you've got Robert Carlyle and Colin Farrell that we know of so far. Scottish so, and Irish. So for the, the kids <laughs> playing at home on uh, Jordan Celebrity Bingo, um, <laughs> you can go ahead and get your marker out and stamp <laughs> Colin Farrell and Robert Carlyle. Uh, Rory Cochran is on that oh, list. Rory Cochran. There you go. Sir. Who yes. will be next? Does Rex Manning do it for you? Oh, because Rexy, you're so sexy. Funny I should mention Rex Manning because I think our next episode is going to be... Empire Records. Fuck yeah. I've, I've been wanting to do this for I know, weeks now. Me too. And I'm, I'm so ready. I'm so excited that you like the movie so much because every opportunity I get, I try to show it to people. It's really great. <laughs> it is. It's it's one of my favorite films. I'm I'm super excited about doing this. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's next week. So, but yeah, thank you so much for listening in. Um, you know, the the hiatus was kind of a, a holiday. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah. We just got real busy. I mean, everyone was super busy around the holidays. We we were doing a whole lot of other stuff. You yeah, know, we we were making stuff. We just weren't making this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But 2018, New Year, New Us. That's right. We're gonna kick ass in 2018. Yeah, it's it's gonna be good. And so, but but thank you so much for listening along and and for all your support. Um, we're gonna try and get some really cool stuff off the ground. I know for sure. Um, I don't know if it's going to be this month, but definitely for sure I'm going to be setting up a Patreon page for us. Excellent. There you can see all our stories, our individual stories. Uh, we'll probably sell our merch there or have a, mer a link to our merch page. Um, but you can also find us on Twitter at DFC Cinema. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Dumpster Fire Cinema. A lot of this has to do with um, with having listeners, with having people who listen and who spread the word. So if you like our show, like share it on your Facebook page, your Twitter, your Instagram, tell your friends about it. Like it's, I mean, that's the, probably the best way that you can get the word out, honestly. And something else that we haven't really talked about on the show, which I can't imagine why I hadn't thought to talk about it until now, but we have another podcast. Very Dark, Very Quick <laughs> is the other podcast that uh, that Jordan and I do. Mm -hmm. um, it's myself and Mike. We do kind of a dialogue thing, and we pick a topic every week. And um, this week, it was Scientology. Yeah. So I'm still kind of waiting on the lawsuits to come in. So go check it out, because it turns out that was number 11 on the iTunes podcast list. Yeah, which... for like a day. It, just to see our our logo up there next to my favorite murder and last podcast on the left and yeah. the dollop and shit like that That's it's awesome. just like really really weird yeah. i still don't really believe it yeah go go check that out too you can hear you know us talk about nonsense i play a character called lady glitter sparkles i'm a she's fantastic i'm a vegan meat hater it's her but alter ego. <laughs> but go check it out. Again, spread the word. Um, What else do we have? I think that's pretty much it. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, uh, our email address, dumpsterfirecinema at gmail.com. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you have um, any crap you want to send us or you want to talk about or movies that you would like us to review, just send that there or on our Twitter or our Facebook page and 
we will watch it and review it and put it in the dumpster we, sh- we should get a P.O. box so people can send us shit. Oh, man. I'm all about getting some Belgium chocolate, y'all. On it. Get on it. They're going to send you sharded underwear. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. I, no. So send your sharded underwear to... <laughs> Maybe I'll rethink that P.O. box thing. Here's what I think of your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dumpster Fire Cinema. Be sure to tell your friends. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.